0: This is the Restoring Hope Podcast. Hi, I'm Matt Till. Welcome to the Restoring Hope Podcast, your no-fluff dose of inspiration to believe that hope is never lost, faith is not dead, and a better tomorrow is coming. Have you figured it out yet? The project of restoring hope for yourself and sharing that hope with others. Oh man, is this hard work sometimes. Yeah, I know you eternal optimists out there. It's even hard for you too, isn't it? Just go ahead, confess, admit it. It is, isn't it? <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> and sometimes even it can get to the best of us that this staying hopeful, staying faith-filled. Man, it can be really hard work sometimes. And sometimes it's hard to even believe that a better tomorrow is coming, let alone even possible. When one thing after the other just kind of hits the news or hits our social media feed, discouragement is everywhere. Uh, and not only discouragement, but bitterness and anger and frustration and hopelessness and just plain old complaining. A lot of complainers out there right now. And um, man, it's just, it's hard. And I, you know what, if you're one of those right now who is feeling really pessimistic, uh, feeling uh, like there's a lot to complain about, it's okay. It's all right. I, I see you. I understand. Um, as a matter of fact, we had some friends over uh, somewhat recently and we were sitting around uh, campfire in the backyard and um, I was just kind of in one of my lamenting modes, if you will, and was sharing just about how discouraged I was, um, uh, just feeling discouraged just about the state of our world right now. And, um, you know, my, my wife, Mary, she said afterwards, you know, that's really hard for some people to hear. And, uh, she just kind of called me out on that a little bit and, uh, and, uh, but it was also a good reminder just to myself to know, yeah, you know, um, it's hard to stay optimistic always and hope filled, but Even in that processing of feeling discouraged, uh, that's where we learn to grow. That's where we learn to kind of get outside of ourselves and where we can actually begin to rediscover hope again. And so that's really the journey I want to take us on today is this idea that, you know what, restoring hope is very challenging and it's just surprisingly difficult and it's also frequently undermined. Um, And, you know, you would think like, it's a hope-filled message, right? Well, if we could just be more (laughs) encouraging of others and more hope-filled and faith-filled, can't we just live in a better world? And we realize that actually it's very challenging. And to inspire true hope and to have true faith and to see truly a better tomorrow to come, it requires a deep level of work encourage, bravery, uh, grit, and at the end of the day, sacrifice. Yeah, sacrifice. There are a lot of things that can poke holes in the project of Restoring Hope, isn't there? Um, So often, uh, we can find ourselves um, in bed, just really in, we can find uh, a number of people or things that would come against a hope-filled world. Uh, you can inspire hope, and you can work towards hope. But some will prefer the status quo. And the problem with the status quo is that it often causes other people to undermine hope, hope-filled mission, hope-filled futures, something new, change. Because status quo is comfort. It's comfortable. Even if you're the oppressed, sometimes it can just be comfortable because you you know what to expect today. Uh, Even if that um, expectation is um, unjust, even if it's at your own great expense, at least you've learned to how to operate in it. And I'm not saying that that's how the world should operate. I'm not saying that that's what we should even aspire to. We should aspire to do better, and we can because I believe that our theology demands that we do better, uh, not just for ourselves but for others and for the world. And so. The status quo will often cause other people, organizations, political movements, other interests to undermine the project of hope. And then also, too, we can be victims of our own self-sabotage. Um, this, this happens pretty cr- frequently, actually, because we ourselves are used to the status quo. We're used to not changing. We're used to the same thing, especially if we feel like we're on top, especially if we feel like we've got our lives under some sort of control, this illusion of control, because the reality is you don't have a lot of control in much of your life. But when we believe that lie, when we believe the illusion, we believe in the status quo and we think the status quo is the way it should be, the way it's always been, and we don't want to change it. And we're afraid to enter into challenge. We're afraid to enter into what's next. We're afraid to do something bold and new. And so we will often sabotage our own efforts. Or we can be about hope. We can be about inspiration. We can be about trying to do something different for others. And we could even put ourselves out there and make a risk. And we could fail. And then we'll use that as an excuse to say, well, that's why I shouldn't bother changing or we'll start the process in good intentions, but as we get down the road, we realize this is harder than I thought. This is more difficult than I ever imagined. I didn't realize it was going to be like this. And so we, we stop ourselves and we cut ourselves short and we retreat back to the status quo. We self-sabotage our own efforts. So here's the, the journey that I've been on and what I have been realizing myself about me because I tend to be a self-sabotager <laughs> at times. Um, but I've, I've realized that the project of restoring hope, that this vision of being able to inspire hope and to hold on to faith and allow it to even shape and be changed, um, and including my world around me, it requires patience. It requires patience with myself first. I need to expect that things will not change immediately. Not even in my own life, not even with my own mind and my own heart, but even especially with my circumstances and the things around me. They will not change immediately. Just because I have changed the way I've thought doesn't mean that everything else around me is going to change right away. I need patience. And then, by the way, if I'm trying to change a habit, if I'm trying to change something of my own um, habits or my own self and my own mind and my own way of thinking, I need to have patience with myself figure I'm going to be uh, 40 years old this year and so I've been on this world for 40 years and there are things that I think and the way that I think and behave that have been ingrained in me for the last 40 years some of it is good some of it needs to change and so because of that it will take much time and patience with myself and then I need to have patience with others I'm so often not a very patient person, I confess that, and I'm learning deeply on how to be more patient with myself and especially those around me. Having patience with them, because if it's hard for me, and if I'm very disciplined in changing my own habits and behaviors, then I can only imagine some others who are far more disciplined than I, they could also be on the same journey, and it may take them just as long, maybe less time, and others will take much more time to change. And to see, perhaps, a better vision of tomorrow for themselves and also for this world. And with that comes time. Time is necessary. Time is needed. Hope cannot be restored overnight. It won't be restored overnight. It is an evolutionary progress and progression for us as humanity. And so for us, we must realize that it's going to take time, perhaps even generations. And so patience and time and reminding myself that it's going to be one step at a time forward. This is the challenge of restoring hope for ourselves and for others. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't change. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't make efforts. It doesn't mean that we should just, oh, I hope it's all going to work out. No, we must still take action, but realize it will take time and patience with ourselves. And let's add one more thing to that list grace. A lot of grace for ourselves, mercy, forgiveness. When we fail, when we lose hope, when we have stepped out and taken a risk. And perhaps it didn't work out the way we wanted it to, to have grace for ourselves and mercy and forgiveness and to say, it's all right. It's okay, we've learned from that, but let us not it waver from our ability to restore hope for ourselves and inspire hope for others. I'm a firm believer that to go on this project of restoring hope, and if you haven't been able to tell already, if you've been listening to this podcast, is that this isn't just about a do-better good news, or this isn't just about uh, having a faith that is all social justice-minded, although that is certainly an aspect of what we are trying to do here, but not completely or exclusively. But rather, it's about a project of restoring our souls. You see, to restore hope means that we also must restore our souls, ourselves. And by the way, when I speak to the soul, the the scripture often has various different terminologies for soul. Historically, we've always looked at soul and understood it as just when you hear it, you think spiritual self, right? The inner self, the inner person. But when I say soul, and oftentimes it can also be translated as the whole person, we're not just talking about one's spiritual inner self, the thing that you can't see, but I'm talking about the whole person, the mind, the body, the physical, the spiritual, all things, all things within the self. And so for us, we must restore the soul, the entirety of us, mind, body, spirit. All of us, every part of us needs to be restored, needs to be rejuvenated, needs to experience a transformation. And you see, the scriptures often talk about in the New Testament, this is the message of Jesus. This is the hope of Jesus. This is what God has sent Jesus to us and for us, our great Messiah, our great teacher, our wonder, our great uh, rabbi. he, he, he reminds us that in order for us to be restored as people, that we can, our, our souls become restored to a thriving and hope-filled state when we learn to deny ourselves. Well, I know some of you are going to turn off now. Self-denial again, not this again, right? <laughs> but listen to what the scriptures say. This is in Luke chapter 9. He says, "Then." Jesus says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. It's an interesting passage in the scriptures that Jesus is speaking, that we have this ability that we can almost save ourselves. <laughs> he says, listen, if you're trying to hold on to your life and trying to hold on to your own ways of doing things, your own ideals, your own visions, your own, your, your self, your selfishness, your pride, your ways, you're going to lose your life. You're, you're going you're gonna to lose it. You're going to lose your soul into the things of this world that are just not of great value and they don't inspire hope in others, and they don't create a better tomorrow for you or for other people. Don't buy into that lie, but rather pursue a sense of this self-denial. And here's what I think Jesus is really trying to say here, and we can discover this throughout the rest of scripture. But the idea for us of restoring our souls, restoring our minds, our bodies, and our spirits around a greater vision, a greater hope, a greater faith, to bring about a better tomorrow not only for ourselves but for others he's saying choose discomfort over what is familiar step into the unfamiliar step into discomfort lay down your life take up your cross deny yourself and follow me Jesus is a, his ministry was always defined by calling people to a place of repentance. Repent from your own ways. Repent from that sin. Repent from your selfishness, your pride, you going it your own way. And repent even from the familiar. Forget all of that. Instead, follow me. Follow me. Choose the hard way and follow me because I'm going to show you a better way. And so, he's inviting us into a life that says, don't always choose the familiar, but choose the unfamiliar. Choose what is not familiar to you, discomfort. Here's another one. Choose humility over self-righteousness. Choose humility over self-righteousness. Don't assume that you are on always on the right side of history. Don't assume that you are the self-righteous of them all. But he says, instead, choose humility. It's uncomfortable. That's discomforting to assume that I need to be humble in this scenario. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I have been wrong in this scenario choose humility over self-righteousness. Here's another, choose love over bitterness. This is what it means to pick up our cross and to carry it. Pick up what is difficult in life. Pick up what actually amounts to what was the execution device by choosing love over bitterness. It's easier for me oftentimes to just choose to be bitter and angry at somebody, but that's what's easy. Instead, Jesus invites us into a better way of life, a life that restores hope, a life that instills a greater faith and reminds us that faith is not dead, and that a better tomorrow is coming when we choose the difficult thing, that I'm going to love my neighbor, I'm going to love my enemy, rather than be bitter towards them. That's difficult, because now I have to deny myself. I have to deny what I intuitively want to do, and to be bitter, and to be angry. And that leads into forgiveness over anger. To choose forgiveness. To choose that I'm going to forgive this individual for their wrongs. I'm going to choose to forgive this group of people for what they have done. And I'm going to choose to find a better way rather than to be angry. How about empathy over indifference? Choose empathy over indifference. Are we asking the right questions? Are we choosing to learn and to invest ourselves into somebody else's position? Are we trying to understand someone else's way of life and their upbringing, their culture, uh, their background, their history? Are we trying to get into their heads and understand them and be empathetic to their experience and their story rather than simply dismissing it and being indifferent? To the individual or the groups of people? And are we choosing inclusion over division? This is probably going to be one of the greatest challenges that will face this generation and the next. How will we choose inclusion? rather than division. In our polarized political landscape, this will be the most difficult. How will we choose to inspire hope if we are unwilling to leave our political and polarized ideological positions and walk into the messy middle? Because you are going to get bombed, you are going to, get, um, uh, you're going to be slandered, you are going to create enemies on both sides sides of the aisle but this is where hope is found this is where hope can be rediscovered and inspired this is how we restore hope in the spirit is when we choose selflessness when we choose inclusion over division and we choose to deny ourselves yeah, the challenge of this is restoring hope. and It is a challenge. It's not going to be easy. This is hard work. Let's not be, let's not dismiss that. And discouragement, it's going to be unavoidable. And you're going to experience such great disorientation in the process if you, if you go down this road. It's going to be confusing. You're going to have moments of confusion. Who are my friends? Who are the ones that I can trust any longer? you're going to experience pain. It's going to be hard because you're going to be hurt. You're going to be wounded by people who you thought were on your side, but they no longer are, or they just simply don't want to be, or they don't understand you. But listen, you are in great company because you are following in the footsteps, in the ways of the perfect man. His name was Jesus. He died for you, the salvation for your sins. He's coming back again. He's making all things new. He's given you his Holy Spirit to live in this world in a more perfect and beautiful way so that you can inspire hope in others and bring about a better tomorrow for you, your family, and for the world. But let us not fall in To the traps and into the lies, but instead let us choose what is right and what is good. But no one can save their souls until they've given their lives to this work. And that is the work of restoring hope for themselves and for others. And it's this hope that reminds us that a better tomorrow is coming. Thanks for listening to the Restoring Hope Podcast. This is a listener-supported podcast, so when you listen, share the podcast, and donate, you're helping keep hope alive for others. Visit anchor.fm forward slash restoringhope to learn more how you can support the Restoring Hope podcast. Until next time, remember to keep the faith and to inspire hope in others. A better tomorrow is coming.